My name is Gene Olexen. I'm your moderator for today. Our topic today is dialogue on democracy. Should voting be compulsory? In some countries, voting is an obligation or a legal responsibility. Mandatory voting is promoted as a means of addressing low, ver- low voter turnout and ensuring election results reflect the will of the majority. In Australia, which has an established tradition of compulsory voting, recent polls show 75% of the population support the practice. In Canada, voting is a right which citizens can choose to exercise or not. What happens when citizens stop exercising the right? In 2008, the Alberta election recorded the lowest voter turnout ever for a provincial election at 40.6%. And voter turnout in federal, provincial, and municipal elections has been in steady decline for decades. This debate, sponsored by SACPA, the Sheldon Schumier Foundation for Ethics and Leadership, and the Famous Five Foundation, will explore compulsory voting as a possible solution to low voter turnout in Canada. We have two speakers. There will be arguments for and against compulsory voting using the experiences of other countries. I will introduce the three speakers that we have today, and then I will call them up uh, when they're for their uh, talks. Our first speaker will be Heather McIntosh from the Sheldon Schumer Foundation Program Director, uh, Democratic Development and Human Rights. She joined the foundation in April 2005. Over the past 20 years, Heather has worked with the Canadian International Development Agency, University of Calgary, and with several international NGOs. She holds a master's degree in public administration from Carleton University in Ottawa, and a BA from the University of Alberta. Our second speaker is Dan Shapiro. He's a research associate at the Sheldon Schumer Foundation for Ethics in Leadership. He completed his master's at Queen's University and his BA at the University of Winnipeg, both degrees in philosophy. Dan works on ethics, human rights, and civil liberties, especially freedom of expression. Prior to joining the foundation, Dan taught moral philosophy and critical thinking at the University of Winnipeg. Our last but not least speaker for today will be Gordon Campbell, you all know well, Professor Emeritus at the University of Lethbridge and instrumental in forming this organization. He's also involved uh, involved in the formation of the Lethbridge chapter of Friends of Medicare. He has served. He also has served as the founding national secretary of the World University Service of Canada, whose mission is to foster human development and global understanding through education and training. Dr. Campbell is the recipient of many awards, including the Queen's Golden Jubilee Medal, the Alberta Centenary Medal, and the annual award of great distinction from the World University Service of Canada. 
I just remind everybody to make sure your cell phones are turned off, and everybody knows the drill here. We have to put $10 in for lunch, except our guests. And we'd like to acknowledge our partners, the University of Lethbridge, for their support, including distribution of notices, and Country Kitchen Catering for the lunch. So first off, I will invite Heather McIntosh to come forward and give a, about a 15-minute talk, 12 to 15-minute talk, and then that will be followed by Dan for another short talk, then we'll have lunch, then we'll have a question-answer period, and Gordon, Dr. Gordon Campbell will sum up at the end of the session. Thanks. It's very nice to be here in Lethbridge, and we're just so pleased to be partnering with SACPAW, able to do this here. So what is compulsory voting? I'll just give a bit of background to start. It's the legal requirement that electors vote in elections, sometimes also called mandatory voting. And it could be required under electoral law or national constitution, and it may or may not be enforced. And there's some reference to countries that have compulsory voting on some handouts on some of the tables if you're interested. So why does compulsory voting exist? As our moderators already mentioned, it's a means of addressing low voter turnout. So Canada's seen turnout drop over the last 30 years from about 75% to 60% in 2008. Provincially, we've seen a drop from 80% down to 40 and if you compare that, in Alberta, we had 40.6% turnout in 08. In 07, PEI had 84%, and Saskatchewan had 76% for their provincial elections. So, I mean, it's particularly concerning if you compare it to some of the other provinces. Uh, in Lethbridge, municipally, we see a turnout that ranges generally from 20 to 40%. And the February 1st by-election that was just held here, uh, we were told that the, uh, the figure was 13% turnout for the by-election. So that's particularly concerning. So why should voting be compulsory? The issue is legitimacy. Is there a minimum turnout required for a mandate to govern? Democracy is founded on the notion of majority rule, and I think that matters. Part of my concern there is public cynicism. So what happens when a lot of citizens choose not to come out and vote? They say things like, ah, the government was elected by a handful of cronies. They don't know what they're doing. Or, I don't care what they decide. They don't represent me anyhow. This is really problematic. We might not like a government, but we still need to respect their right to rule until the next election. If we don't, the rule of law can start to break down. So to twist Abraham Lincoln's famous line, what happens when we have government for the people, but no longer one that is of the people and by the people? So that's a principal argument. The second argument I wanted to make is related to um, what's happening in practice. So here it is, who's coming out to vote and who's not? What we actually see is a social bias in the electoral participation. So Dr. Lisa Young, who's a political scientist at the University of Calgary, spoke for an event that we did jointly with Famous Five Foundation in April about compulsory voting. And she said that 
The evidence shows significant social bias in the turnout in Alberta and across Canada. So who is not voting today? It's people under 35, lower income, and lower education level. Well, so what? Why does that actually matter? The issue is that their issues may not be heard or fairly represented in Parliament, legislature, city halls. There's a, I mean, there is some uh, impetus for parties to start focusing on their voting base, and then if they win, governing in favor of their voting base. So practical examples would be things like less attention to student issues and post-secondary education issues, for example, or you'd expect to see less attention to issues of renter and policies that favor homeowners because they would be the voting population. You can end up with a government of elites, and it's not so long ago that we had only British male property owners who could vote in Canada. So I think this really matters. Um, Lisa had also, Dr. Young had also talked about the change that you saw once women received the right to vote in Canada, where the parties immediately after the franchisement, um, the parties started focusing more on women's issues, and there was more practical attention to that. So it sort of changes the nature of the issues. So the future and democracy of government are at stake here, when we, particularly when we consider that the under-35s are a large chunk of our non-voters. So an argument practically in favor of compulsory voting. And finally, compulsory voting works. It is shown to have the greatest impact on turnout of all the available options. So in 2003, Elections Canada did an international comparative study where they took a look at various initiatives around the world aimed at increasing electoral participation, particularly in the Western democracies where we have seen a 20-30 year decline. So what did they find? In order of significance, the most significant differences were seen in voter turnout under compulsory voting. Biggest impact by far. Second, proportional or mixed compensatory voting systems. Third, ease of voting. So things like mail-in ballots, advanced ballots, proxy vote. So you see, for example, Elections Alberta is talking about a pilot project on e-voting. That's partly to deal with... Um, the ease of voting, the access issue, and particularly targeting younger population. There's some uh, pros and cons associated with that, but it, at least it's under consideration. So things like fixed election dates, voting on Sundays or holidays are not major turnout, are not major factors in turnout. Uh, voter education and get-out-the-vote campaigns, particularly messages targeted at young voters, have been attempted for several years by Elections Canada. Um, unfortunately, the evidence is showing that they're not making much difference. And then Alberta's had a big push going on for a voter registry. Some of you might have received something about a year ago, a little sort of a postcard in the mail encouraging you to, to register online. There is no evidence that uh, enhanced voter registry has an impact on turnout. And if we look at who's not voting, under 35, lower income, lower education, there's a chance that a heavy emphasis on a voter registry might, in fact, lead to a greater disenfranchisement of our already under-voting populations. So what is the actual turnout with compulsory voting? So if it works, to what extent does it work? 
Well, you get about 82% participation overall in countries which enforce mandatory voting. So some examples are Argentina, Belgium, Singapore. And those would be listed on the handout. How do they enforce it? The majority enforce with penalties. So Australia is an example. They would tend to be sort of a higher end on the penalties, and they have about a $20 fine if you don't show, out to, show up to vote without a valid excuse. There's really no evidence to support incentives for voting. That's sort of the flip side of enforcement with the penalties. But there have been very few examples where incentives have been implemented. But the few cases where that's been done, there really isn't evidence to show that it has much impact on voter turnout either. So countries that have compulsory voting books laws on the books, but they don't really enforce them, still get around a 70% turnout. So an example there is Costa Rica. Costa Rica has sort of an unusual or unique penalty. It's like three strikes and you're out. So if you miss, so if you don't vote for three elections in a row, they say you're not allowed to vote on number four. But in practice, they don't really enforce that. So that's how their compulsory voting law works. It's a bit unusual. So, I mean, Bolivia for me is a super interesting case because I had a year leave from the foundation, actually, and went with Boli- went to Bolivia with my family to volunteer for uh, a year there, 08, 09. And while I was there, I was fortunate to have the opportunity to uh, participate as an international election observer for two of the national referenda. And interestingly, in 08, Bolivia had 86% turnout, when they had a compulsory voting law on the books, but they didn't actually enforce it. So 86% turnout. In 09, a year and a half later, they decided, you know, we really need to enforce this law that we have. We are going to institute our penalty. And in their case, their penalty is a bit unusual as well. You can't access your bank account at a public bank for a couple of months if you don't have your little voting card. So... So all different and what we would consider really unusual options on penalties. So in 09, they decided, you know what, we're actually going to put this into place. You can't go and access your bank account without your voter card. And um, then their participation actually dropped to 84%. (laughs) Very slight change, but I mean, very, very interesting phenomena. Not what you'd expect. So Austria, Netherlands, and Spain, for example, had compulsory voting in the past, and then for civil liberties reasons, some of the arguments Dan's going to raise later, they decided to drop it. And as well, I think they had, they had thought that at that point, their voter turnout had been so high under a compulsory system that it was no longer needed, that people were in the practice. Well, they eliminated compulsory voting, and they saw their turnout drop pretty significantly, in one case up to 20%. So interesting. And then, of course, the most common example is the one that uh, Jean mentioned as well, which is Australia, where they've had the compulsory vote since the early 1900s in different areas, nationally since 1924, the $20 fine. And in their last election, they had something like 94% turnout. They range between 90 and 95. So in conclusion, we should support compulsory voting for three main reasons. On principle in terms of democratic legitimacy and majority rule. Practically, to avoid the social bias in terms of who's voting and who's not. And thirdly, just for results, because the evidence shows it works. Thanks very much.
Okay, good afternoon. Thanks for having me. <clears throat> In the interest of uh, keeping your bank accounts from being frozen, I'm going to argue against compulsory voting. So today it's both my right and my duty to argue that it is your right, but should not be your legal duty, to vote. Voting is, of course, a very important aspect of the democratic process. It's premised upon the view that we are autonomous, in other words, self-ruling individuals who have the right to choose our government rather than have it foisted upon us. Voting is also a powerful symbolic activity. People in undemocratic countries such as Egypt are willing to die for the right to vote in free and fair elections for meaningful representation and responsive government. Yet roughly half of Canadians and 60% of Albertans in the last provincial election couldn't drag themselves away from watching so-called reality TV, or whatever they were doing, to exercise this fundamental democratic right in our most recent elections. So low voter turnout is a very serious concern. I'm not downplaying that. My own view is that we should vote early and vote often, as they say, but the compulsory voting is not the best way to remedy voter apathy. And I'm going to give you three types of arguments against it. The first is an argument from principle about liberty and state coercion. The second, pragmatic arguments about voter behavior. And the third, pragmatic arguments about party behavior and the electoral system, if I make it through without getting the hook uh, at the end of my 10 minutes anyway. So to start with uh, principled arguments against compulsory voting, individual freedom is fundamental to democracy. The freedom to choose how you want to live your life, what you believe, how and by whom you want to be governed, and so on. So government coercion should be limited and must be reasonable and justifiable. For example, criminal law is justified to prevent harm towards others. And at least most of us think that taxation is justified to cover the cost of governance for all. We could, of course, argue all day about how much taxation and governance, but we'll leave that for another time. But a measure that impinges upon your freedom of conscience and expression by forcing you to vote in the name of promoting democracy goes against the very spirit of democracy, which, after all, is tied up with individual freedom. Voting is a fundamental democratic right with which the state should not interfere. We must be free to exercise this right. For example, we have to have reasonable access to polling stations, and we shouldn't be prevented from voting. We shouldn't be disenfranchised by the state. Uh, or, le or purposely left off voter lists or that sort of thing. But we shouldn't be forced to vote. It's not enough to say that all the compulsory voting requires is for you to show up at the polls regardless of whether you spoil your ballot or you eat it or you put it in your pocket or whatever. Because one expression of your conscience might be to boycott the polls altogether. I don't think it's very hard to imagine some sort of anarchist, probably with lots of piercings and dyed hair sticking out like this, who says... Screw the system, man. I won't participate in this sham election. This might be biting off one's nose to spite one's anarchist face. Of course, how can you change the system if you don't participate in it? But nonetheless, in a free society, people should have the right to live according to their views, provided that they don't harm others. Indeed, your choice not to vote harms yourself, not others. Arguably, it benefits others, since their vote counts for more when you choose not to exercise yours. An important aspect of having the right to vote is having the right not to vote, in other words. This, too, is to express your political convictions, even where it indicates the absence of any such convictions. So this is what is wrong with compulsory voting. It transforms the right to vote into an obligation and thereby devalues the importance of the choice that is embedded in the freedom to vote.
It's paternalistic, in other words. It involves people saying, well, it's in your best interest to vote, and we know what your best interests are. That's for you to choose your own interest by voting, so we're going to force you to do it. So now for some pragmatic or practical arguments about voter behavior. One of the standard arguments here is that uh, compulsory voting promotes random or uninformed voting. So, for example, critics of Australia's compulsory voting, and there is a movement there, uh, by the way, to try to have it repealed, uh, say that it increases what's called the donkey vote, where voters simply check off the candidates one, two, three, four, five, because they have preferential voting there. They just check them off alphabetically. But this is hard to determine because, of course, some voters might really have preferred one, two, three, four, five in alphabetical order. How do you know if it's a donkey vote or not, right? Plus, in a first-past-the-post system such as ours, it would be impossible to distinguish uh, random or uninformed votes uh, because how would you know? But in any case, having the right to vote does not mean that one has to have the correct motivations, such as actual preferences for a given candidate, uh, especially if you're compelled to vote. Right? Having the right to vote just means that you vote. It doesn't mean you have to vote a particular way. Another objection is that compulsory voting promotes uninformed voting. Some critics say, if people aren't going to exercise an informed vote, then why force them to vote? Let's leave it to the informed voters who care about and follow politics to determine the best government. It should be said, though, voluntary voters can be woefully uninformed, too. uh, And there isn't an argument afoot for limiting to the franchise only to those in the know. So I happen to think that this is a kind of elitist argument, but it is an off-sided objection that you'll have uninformed voters if you force people to vote. Freedom to vote means you can vote for whatever reason you choose and with all kinds of different motivations in mind. So the uninformed voters argument isn't, I think, very strong. Again, the more pressing concern for me is the one I started with, namely that state, uh, the state coercion uh, is, a, is a way of impinging upon your liberty, your freedom of conscience and expression. And finally, some pragmatic arguments about party behavior and the electoral system. People argue, for example, that compulsory voting may... Uh, let political parties off the hook for failing to appeal to the electorate, that it may mask problems with the electoral system, for example, that it's unrepresentative, and that it may give elections and governments a false impression of legitimacy by sort of artificially increasing the turnout. So I'll just uh, explain those very quickly. So the party behavior argument, if we recall the 2008 provincial election where we had the woeful turnout of 40.7%, the lowest provincial turnout in Canadian history, I think this was at least in part a symptom of the failure of all the parties, the government and the opposition alike, to inspire the electorate with vision, with ideas, with policies, and so on. So I'm not making a partisan point about any given party. I just think they didn't appeal to voters, and voters sat on their hands and sent a message, uh, stayed home, basically. Uh, It's indeed plausible that many voters stayed home to voice their displeasure with the political landscape, with their lack, what they perceived to be their lack of choices. So if we had compulsory voting, parties might be left off the hook because they could say, what do you mean we didn't appeal to people? Look at this 95% turnout. Uh, But in fact, it might have been largely because people were compelled to vote. So how hard would parties have to work to appeal to a broader swath of voters and to get the vote out by motivating people if people were in any case going to be compelled to vote? Uh, Another argument is that it conceals or masks, compulsory voting would conceal or mask problems with the electoral system. So for those, and there may be some in this room, for those who favor proportional representation, compulsory voting would remove one of the main arguments. 
namely that voters stay home because they feel that their values don't count in our first-past-the-post system. That would be true certainly federally if you're a a Green Party voter where they get whatever it is, a million votes uh, in every federal election and yet no seats. So some people feel that they're not well represented by the the first-past-the-post system. So if indeed the electoral system needs to be reformed to make it more representative, then compulsory voting would mask this problem rather than solve it because, again, turnout would go up and then people would say, well, look, the system's working just fine. No need to change it by looking at other models of electoral systems. And finally is the problem of perhaps false legitimacy. So a higher voter turnout seems to suggest greater legitimacy of an election and the government elected as a result because it represents the voices of more citizens. But is it more legitimate if many are compelled to vote? In other words, if they wouldn't have done so otherwise. What if they spoil their their ballots to protest compulsory voting or they vote randomly merely to avoid the fine? Do we want to say that that's a more legitimate election as a result? These votes increase the turnout, but do they increase the legitimacy? I'm just posing the question to you. I don't know the answer. But in one sense, does a mandatory vote better reflect the will of the people than a freely exercised, a chosen vote by a smaller percentage of the population? This is in some sense a variation on the sort of uninformed voters argument. So to sum up, compulsory voting infringes the basic freedom of the citizen and illegitimately transforms a right into an obligation. It also may promote random or uninformed voting, let parties off the hook for failing to be representative, sorry, responsive to the electorate, mask the need for other electoral reform, and perhaps give a false sense of legitimacy if the turnout increases as a result of compulsory voting. So as I noted, voter apathy is a serious problem. We should encourage not just electoral participation, not just voting, but all kinds of other forms of engagement in the democratic process. I think that's really important. But we shouldn't force anyone to vote, since this violates the spirit of freedom that is so vital to the democracy that, after all, we wish to strengthen by considering the notion of compulsory voting. Thank you.